Yeah, well, good morning, everybody. This is, I think, this is, I think, a year ago, or just about a year, that the last time we met here and actually had a service together. It's amazing, huh? A whole year. It's good to be here, good to be preaching, good to see you. It's going to be a wonderful day. You know, the, the, the eight years that we were in Germany and leading a church there, I never told the worship team what, to, what songs to choose. I always felt the Holy Spirit will do his work. And very often I sat there and I said, I was astounded, I said, they are singing my preach. <laughs> and again today, the, that first song, and I think we should actually print out those words and put them on, on the website, really sort of encompasses what, uh, what I've got to share. Now the theme uh, for today is uh, a scene that I've been revisited, revisiting and I have preached on before, and it's about the living stones. Now, no, it's not that I have got one preach in my pocket, which I repeat every year. <laughs> it is uh, a theme that encompasses our lives about the living stones and where the Lord reveals new things as, uh, as we go on. So the Lord's been speaking to me about that for, for years. And uh, I'd like to begin uh, this morning uh, by, by uh, reading an extract from a key scripture, which is found in 1 Peter 2. And we are going to read verses 4 to 7 and verse 9. And I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. So, keep coming to him who is the living stone, Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God, he is priceless in God's sight. Come and be his living stones, who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God, a spiritual house. For now, we, you, we serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. For it says in the scripture, Look, I lay a cornerstone in Zion, a chosen and precious, a priceless stone, and whoever believes in him will certainly not be disappointed. And as believers, you know his great worth. Indeed, his preciousness is imparted to us. We are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. And he called us out of darkness to experience, experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you and me as his very own. He did this so that we would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. So this term living stones is a, a picture, a metaphor that illustrates the intimate and secure relationship we believers have with Jesus, who is described as the living stone. We are joined to him and wholly part of him. It's a mystery, but we are joined to him and we are wholly part of him. And of course, the foundation of God's building, which is being built, this new temple containing his presence, 
The foundation is his son, Jesus Christ, the essential and ultimate living stone. He is our foundation. In fact, there is no other foundation that we can build our lives on securely. We build our lives on, upon him and live our lives in and through him, whose spirit lives in us. Whose spirit lives in us. So then who are the, the other living stones? Everybody here, everybody who believes. In fact, all the believers around the world. And the Lord is building a church in places we, we can't even hardly dream of or believe that it is possible. I mean, the stories that we hear coming out of Iran and, and the East, I mean, let's just think, how, how on earth is it possible? But the Lord, Jesus, is building his church there. But we also know from other passages in the Bible that we are not only described as living stones, but also as builders, building together with Jesus. Yes, we are the church, his building, the building he's building, but we're also partnering and building with him as Jesus builds his church. It's amazing, but that is, that's what it is. And there's a fine line there, I know, but a very important one. Because sometimes we think that we need to build the church. But let's remember the words in Psalm 127, where it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it will labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house. So let's let Jesus build the house. So he builds the house, he builds the church, and we partner in building with him. The master builder, Jesus. Always important to remember this truth. Let him lead and dictate through the Holy Spirit. And then we have the privilege of to build with him. So I'd like to share a few thoughts uh, from the Old Testament that I believe are relevant and speak into this theme. Uh, at the beginning of this year, we uh, were with family and friends uh, at the coast, near the beach. <laughs> and we were sharing what God, uh, we sharing what we felt God was putting our, on our hearts for the year ahead. And one of the scriptures, um, passages that God were highlighted for us, for us was actually the book of Nehemiah. In that book, as we read it, we read and we discover that a large number of Jewish people had been in captivity and exile in Babylon for many years. But some were given the permission by King Xerxes to return to Jerusalem in order to rebuild the temple of God. And just a bit of a background, you will recall that the first temple was built by Solomon in around 1000 BC, 1000 before Christ, and then destroyed by the very Nebuchadnezzar from, Bab from Babylon in 586 before Christ. And then he also took the Israelites into captivity in exile. And um, then they started, and then King Xerxes allowed some Jewish people to go back to Jerusalem to start to rebuild the, the second temple. 
in about 538 before Christ and about 515 before Christ that temple was completed. In 440, so another 30 odd years, years later, Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem and finds that the walls of the city were still broken down and lying about and destroyed and in ruins and the city was constantly under threat from invaders. So Nehemiah set the people to work, rebuilding the walls of the city of God, rebuilding the walls that encompass Zion and the temple, and the temple which was the dwelling place of God. And to just complete this historic overview of the, of the, about the temple, this second temple then was enlarged and, and uh, very much rebuilt in, in 37 BC, in other words, a few years before Christ by Herod, King Herod, and then destroyed after Jesus' time by the Romans in, the, in about 70 AD. And that's where we are still at, the temple, the temple being destroyed. But of course, however, during Jesus' times, Jesus had already foretold and prophesied that the dwelling place of the Lord would change. It would no longer be the temple. In fact, as, as Jesus died on the cross, the curtain to the Holy and Holies was ripped apart. And it was clear to everybody, well, there's a change coming up. So today, we, who have Jesus and the Holy Spirit in us, we house the presence of God. We house the presence of God because the Holy Spirit is in us. We individually, each one of you, each one of us, and also corporately as a community. And so there's a parallel I see between the rebuilding of the house and those walls of Jerusalem and what God is calling us to at this time. To rebuild and to restore and to renew that which prioritizes His presence in us, His people. To restore, to rebuild, and to renew all that that prioritizes His presence in us, His people. Hosting His presence must be our main priority. This must come first in our lives, and everything else will flow from there. Our old structures of man-made programs and human strategies, they're over. What we desire God to rebuild now and to renew is our hearts and our lifestyles that will house His presence. A, li a lifestyle that will facilitate His presence with us. That must be our priority. So just coming back to Nehemiah, at the time, there was a great deal of opposition, of course, in Nehemiah's time to rebuilding of the wall. Enemies surrounded the city, trying to attack, trying to frighten, trying to discourage the Israelites, trying to intimidate those who were building. But they called on God for strength, and they continued working with all their heart, and the Bible says they persevered, regardless of the circumstances that were around them. They did not stop. They built, and there's something we, we can learn from, they built 
as families and as communities together. Each family taking a different part of the wall to rebuild and to work on, but working in unity together to, to, in order to get the wall up together. So for instance, the, the fish gate was built by the Hasena family, it says in the Bible, and other, other families built the tower of the ovens, and so on. Each family was given a different part to build. And what a beautiful picture that is for us. With God together, families and community, where each one, each individual, each person is different, and each family is different, as we know, but they're all working on their parts that God has allocated, yet all are united in heart and purpose together. And they built, as the Bible says, with the tools in the one hand and a sword and a weapon in the other hand, because the enemy was right there trying to disrupt them. The enemy, of course, did not want them to build a strong wall around the city and around the temple. And I think we are in a similar situation today, where the enemy does not want the children of God to be strong in him and powerful and filled with his presence. He wants to destroy that. In fact, last night, we and I were watching uh, uh, some footage of worship of a group of people at the, the, the prayer house in Augsburg. And there were about four or 5,000 people in that hall. It was amazing. It's wonderful. <laughs> and, you know, as I saw this with these people shoulder to shoulder, you know, like sardines in, the, in, the, in that hall, worshiping God and reaching out and just, uh, just, just worshiping the Father, I thought, well, that's exactly what the devil doesn't want. He wants to keep us apart. He doesn't want us to be together, to worship together as a community, as a group, as families, as countries. He wants to destroy that. So we are in a very similar situation. But we, are, of course, we are not ignorant of the schemes of our enemy, nor must we and are we afraid. Nor, nor must we be, or, are, or nor must we be afraid. Because we know that our weapons of warfare are mighty through God. Not because of us, but they are mighty through God, even to the pulling down of strongholds. And those strongholds of Satan will be pulled down. COVID will be put down, pulled down. As it says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. So our victory is already assured because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's been done. It's been done. We triumph in his victory and like the builders of the wall uh, under Nehemiah's day, we will not let fear hold us back. And then comes what for me is uh, one of the most beautiful parts in that story, and a very powerful part. After the rebuilding of the wall has been completed, the people come together in the square in front of the, gate, uh, the water gate to hear the law of Moses being read out aloud by the priest Ezra. And as a result, everyone who is there together starts praising the Lord and bows down, bows down and worships him. And then 
the spirit of the Lord brings revival at that point. As the people hear the words of, the, of God that, have, that, that are being spoken out. But not, they don't only hear the words with their ears. God, the Spirit, is speaking them into their hearts. And bringing renewal to their hearts. And they begin together to weep and to cry and to cry out as they turn away from the dead things of the past. And turn again to the living God. The Holy Spirit did something in those people's hearts, the thousands that were there at that time. And then the celebration takes place after the, the word has been read. Uh, read. The celebration, the, the, the Feast of the Tabernacle happened to be at that time, and they celebrated the Feast of the Tabernacle. God tabernacling with His people. Now, do you know what tabernacling means? <laughs> that is quite right. According to the Hebrew Bible, the tabernacle was the portable, earthly dwelling place of Yahweh, used by the Israelites from the Exodus onwards until the conquest of Canaan. But I looked up in the, in the, in the dictionary and it said, uh, tabernacling means taking up a, a temporary resident, residence, but specifically it means to inhabit a physical body. So a normal English dictionary describes that tabernacling means inhabiting a physical, physical body. This is what the Bible tells us is happening. So in, in, and then it says in verse 17 that the Jews hadn't celebrated like this with such enthusiasm and such joy since the days of Joshua. They had not celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles with the same joy in their hearts since Joshua. You know how long ago that was then? 1,000 years. <laughs> For 1,000 years they had not celebrated with that same joy in their heart. The Holy Spirit came to them and things changed in their hearts. So Nehemiah and the Jews in Jerusalem sort of somehow went back to the beginning. Um, when to the time when the, the, the cloud and fire of his presence had led the, the Israelites, when the glory of God rested upon the tabernacle and upon Moses. I mean, remember there's a story where his face shone that people couldn't look at him. And also where the, the pillar of cloud was in front and st standing in front of the tent of meeting when he was meeting with God. They sort of went back to that time, back to the beginning. Because they had forgotten about that. And in a way, going back to the beginning is what God is speaking to many of us today. I mean, when the Holy Spirit came down from um, heaven at Pentecost, the cloud and fire of the Holy Spirit um, came to us. And not just to Moses or to the high priests who were allowed to go to the temple once a year? No. It says in the Bible, he came to everyone. Not one person is left out. Whether rich or poor, whichever nation, whether servant or, or master, nobody is left out. The Holy Spirit came to all of us, to all the believers. So, 
going back to Nehemiah, I mean, the people were weeping and crying and they realized themselves that they have to repent for what, what they had done in the, in the years in the past and how they had neglected the, the Heavenly Father. But Nehemiah said, yes, now you've got that, and now don't weep, but go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This is the day which is holy to our Lord. So do not grieve. Do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And there's fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord. Fullness of joy. And joy was something that God also highlighted to us as a family, for us as a family and for us as a community for 2021. No matter what happened in 2020, or what is happening now, or what might happen in the future. Joy, uh, uh, the fullness of joy, is in the presence of the Lord. So now we are God's tabernacle. God now doesn't live in that tent that was moved about from Exodus to, to the conquest of Canaan, and he doesn't live in the, in the temple that was built, which is now destroyed. No, the believers are now the rest, the, the living place, the tabernacle of the, the Most High God. Filled and lived in by His Holy Spirit. And with God's glory upon and within us, God is tabernacling with each one of us right now. Each one of us in Christ's church is a living stone and not made not just made up of natural natural material but supernaturally infused with new life in Christ and the reason why we are living stones in this new and better and more exciting new covenant is because of the life of the Jesus Christ who is indwelling the believer his divine nature is within us so that His life can be lived out through us. The Spirit's joy and the Spirit's love and peace and patience and kindness can find expression through us as we yield to the living one inside us. We are, we are the living stones built into togetherness and into community in and with him. Now when a, when a builder builds his house, and, and Rob, I think you had experience in building a house not too long ago, when a builder builds his house and he takes the bricks, where does he put those bricks? Where does he put those stones? What do you think? On the, on the foundation, maybe important, yes. But he, he puts them um, in a place where he wants them to be. He takes that brick and he says, no, okay, where, where am I going to put you? I'm going to put you here. And he puts them in a place which will serve the purpose the brick was made for. Okay? He puts them in a place which will serve the purpose the brick was made for, which is to support some other parts of the building. 
which is to work together with the other bricks to create something incredible. And so, as master builder, God places his living stones just where he wants them to be, just like the builders on the wall. Jesus is placing us where he feels is right and good, and where we, his living stone, stones, can serve his purposes. His purposes, because we are his. That's where he's going to place us. And at the same time, as he places us, we are connected to others, to other living stones in that building that he's building. We are connected next to each other and, 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 and together. So Paul describes that and discusses this togetherness in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And Peterson translates this very well in the Message Bible where he says, and I'll read, by means of his one spirit, we all said bye-bye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We, used, we each used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered into a large and integrated life which and where he, Jesus, has the final say in everything. And I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less, writes Paul. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up <laughs> into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are part of. And then Paul goes on to talk about one spirit and the many, many gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. And he says, God's various ministries are carried out everywhere. Everywhere. But they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere. But God himself is behind it all. Each person, each living stone, is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on the act. Everyone benefits. And all kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. Yes, all kinds of people. The variety of gifts is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and, in, and the interpretation of tongues. The gifts are amazing. And then in the next chapter of Corinthians, in chapter 13, Paul explains about the greatest, the greatest gift of all. God's love poured out by the Holy Spirit into our hearts and given expression in our lives so that we can be those living stones built together to house his glorious presence. That we can be those living stones built together to house his glorious presence. So this is what the Spirit pours into us. Not natural love with its limitation, but supernatural love. And Paul describes it like this in 1 Corinthians 13, and, and you know the verse as well. And this is now from the message that I'm reading. 
Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. It's, it isn't always me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything. Love uh, trusts God always. Love always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Now, when we read this, it's quite obvious that we can't do that. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes we try and we fail miserably. So, it's only by His supernatural Spirit inside us that we can live out those expressions. That's why we need His presence in our lives. We need the Lord to tabernacle with us. But that's to show that love, that that is what His purpose for us and placed within us to access. Even in, in, in the very challenging and difficult moments that we face in our lives. So that we can live together as living stones. And that we don't become stumbling stones. So let's, let's stop trying to, to do things on our own steam. Let's lean on the redemptive grace of God even every time when we blow it. And in my case, that's often. And let us rely on the enabling power of the Spirit to live Christ's life, Christ's life through us. To live Christ's life through us. Paul says in Galatians 2, verse 20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. We've buried, we've gone to the grave and we've been raised up again. It's no longer I who live, it is Christ who lives in me. Our purpose is to declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into the light, into the life of light and of glory. God's purpose and calling for us is to experience His marvelous light. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're living through some um, <clears throat> dark times right now, right? As it says in Isaiah 60, verse 2, see, Darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. The Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. The fact is, Jesus is the rising sun who has risen, who has come from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. Jesus is shining on you and is shining on me. 
no, no matter what the darkness is and how dark it is. He is the light even in our dark situations. And there are some. There are some. Our lives can speak His praise. Our lives can declare His truth and express His love and carry His light into the darkest places. And just recently I heard some things that things that happened around about which are so destructive. But His light can shine into those places as well. And the most important thing about the testimonies that, that we can give of our lives is not what we've got right. There are a couple of things we might have got right. Or how we felt, how good we felt. Or how well we behaved. No. But our testimonies must be of God's grace and His presence in our lives, despite ourselves and our situations. So the most powerful testimonies are those declaring strength, His strength in our weakness and His light in our darkest experiences. The spiritual house God is building is designed for His glory. The spiritual house God is building is designed for His glory. And we, the living stones, are meant to glorify Him. We are His house. By living, by being living and spirit-filled stones and builders with Him at the same time. Paul reveals a secret in Colossians 1. And he says, Colossians 1 verse 27, this is the secret, guys, he says. Christ lives in you. That's the secret. Christ lives in you. And this gives you assurance of sharing His glory. Because He lives in us, in us we have assurance of sharing His glory in our lives. He tabernacles with us. So why do we sometimes feel that we have so little of his power and, and manifest life and, and presence. I believe we need to consciously and constantly focus and dwell on this amazing truth. Christ lives in us. Christ lives in me. We need, we need to let it sink in. We need to become more aware of Jesus in us. Jesus who, who walked the dusty roads with his disciples. Jesus who did miracles that stunned those around him. Jesus who was persecuted. But he and Jesus who died for us and rose again. He is in you and in me right now. And he assures us, and the Bible says so, that he wants to share his glory with us, the believers. Jesus has got all the glory. He's got all the power. He's got, all, he's got everything under his feet. He wants to share his glory with us, the believers. With us, his living stones, which he uses as a master builder to build this temple and the place where he thinks there should be at that right place just now to give glory to him. 
So I close again with the verse that we started out, out with. In uh, First Peter, verse, um, chapter 2, verse 9, where Peter says, He has called us out of darkness to experience His marvelous light. He has called us out of darkness to experience His marvelous light. And now He claims us as His very own. We are His. We are in His family. We are God's children. And He did this so that we would broadcast His glorious wonders throughout the earth. He did this so that we would broadcast His glorious wonders throughout the world. God does amazing things in our lives. Amazing things in your lives. Let's share them. Even if there's small things. Let's share them. Let's broadcast them. Amen.